0: The media push President Biden as the most normal, normal person who has ever normaled, but there is only one problem. His policy, not normal. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Stand up for your digital rights. Take action at expressvpn.com. Well, you may have noticed the government preparing to spend more money than has ever been created by man or God. It's pretty impressive stuff. That means that you probably should be looking to diversify your investments at this point. We are now at the mercy of one-party control, an agenda driven by tax and spend economics. Uh, forget about the social ramifications. Fiscally, you can expect compounded growth of the national debt, the systematic devaluation of the United States dollar. So is there? there really is only one question. What are you doing to protect your savings? Well, what you should be doing is at least diversifying a little bit into precious metals. Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold Group will help you diversify a portion of your savings in IRA or eligible 401k into an IRA backed by gold and silver. They are the premier precious metals IRA company in America with an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, countless five-star reviews, thousands of satisfied customers. There's a tidal wave of inflation coming. Gold is your hedge. Text BEN to 474747 for your free information kit on precious metals IRA or to speak with a Birch Gold representative today. You can't afford to be left standing, holding the bag as the government proceeds to make your savings worth very, very little. Instead, you should at least diversify, right? That's the smart thing to do. Every financial advisor will tell you to diversify. One great way to diversify precious metals. Time is running out. You can protect your savings right now. Text BEN to 474747. Talk to my friends at Birch Gold Group again. Text BEN to 474747. Okay, so years ago, there's a trend in fashion. It was called norm coring. Okay, norm coring is a term that is a mashup of two terms, normal and hardcore, right? You were hardcore normal. Was the basic idea of this? the The term was coined in 2013. There was a trend at casting group called K Hole, and they published a report in which they talked about norm coring. The idea was to blend into the crowd. You were going to start wearing like J Crew clothes and stuff from the Gap, right? This was norm core. You're going to be militantly normal. Okay, so this is the media's attempt to to do. Biden is the normal core guy. That's what they're going to do. So Biden campaigned in 2020 as I'm going to return to normalcy, right? This is so crazy. Everything is nuts. And of course, this was the call from the moment that Trump entered office was we we can never pretend this is normal. This is not normal. Every single thing Trump did was this is absolutely not normal, even if it was totally normal. And if he fired a U.S. attorney, which had every power to do and happened pretty regularly when an administration enters office, it was this is not normal. We cannot pretend this is normal now. There are a lot of things about President Trump that weren't normal, right? I mean, President Trump liked to tweet a lot. President Trump liked to say crazy stuff on a fairly regular basis. President Trump was certainly the only person as the president of the United States who have uttered the word covfefe, right? President Trump, a lot about him that wasn't normal. But here was the weird thing for a lot of conservatives about President Trump. While he himself was not a normal human and while he himself was this garrulous and, and bloviating real estate reality TV star, right? I mean, that that's what he was. Many of his policies, super normal, right? Restoring America on the military stage, perfectly normal. Lowering taxes, perfectly normal. Putting in place judges who are going to properly interpret the law, perfectly normal, right? His actual policy was super normal compared to the absolute abnormality of the Obama administration, which radically moved us in the direction of identity politics, which revised the relationship entirely between the United States government and the American citizen, which completely racialized American politics. If you compare not the personal manner and affect of the commander in chief. Right. If you compare the personal affect of the commanders in chief, Barack Obama was more normal than than Trump. And Biden is more normal than Trump. If you compare the policy, Trump was more normal than both, like a lot more normal than both. Because if you look at the shift of radical change, radical change was coming from Obama. It was not coming from Trump. There was no radical change in policy. There's a bit of a uh, of a backtrack on some of the radical change of Obama's policy. But even there, it wasn't as radical as you would hope if you were a conservative, right? We were still trend- is spending $4 trillion a year. We were sp- still blowing up the amount of money that the government was spending. So his policy was a lot more normal, Trump's was, than Obama's. Now Biden comes in, and what we are going to do is we're going to say, okay, we're restoring normalcy. This was Biden's entire campaign. He's the most normal normal who has ever normal. What a normie. He's just a normal dude who normals for a living. Like, that's, that's all he's been for 50 years. He has been normal. I mean, sure, He's not super normal. Sure, I mean, he's been in government service since he was 29 years old. He was elected to the Senate at the age of 29. Sure, he has spent virtually every moment since then either on the public dole or making money having been on the public dole. Sure, he doesn't actually live a normal lifestyle for most Americans, right? I mean, it happens to be true that by any American standard at this point in his life, he's a very, very wealthy man. I think his net worth is somewhere in the neighborhood of about $10 million. But he's the most normal person who has ever normal, right? I mean, he took Amtrak. Super normal guy. And the more normal they can make Biden seem, the more you are going to ignore the fact that his policy is absolutely abnormal. The more they can make it seem like Joe Biden is basically like your friendly uncle or your friendly grandpa or your friendly great, 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 great grandpa. The more they can make it seem like that, the less you're going to pay attention to the fact that he's actually cramming down a a particular view of the United States that is wrong headed and a bunch of policy that is super not normal. And the media are invested in this because the media are just the the public relations wing of the Democratic Party. It's astonishing how fast the media have kicked into gear on this one. On, on virtually every front. They just, uh, we on the right, we said, you know what? Your, your newfound aggressiveness against the Trump administration. We find it weird because you didn't do any of that when Obama was president. And they're like, no, we're aggressive with everybody. And then Biden enters office and they just start slavering. I mean, it's the best little whorehouse in Texas for the Biden administration over there. It's incredible. Okay, so let me give you an example. So yesterday, Jen Sackey, the White House press secretary, very normal. Everybody there is normal. Norm, no, 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 normal. Okay, so Jen Psaki, she is taking questions on her cell phone for the president of the United States. And she tweets out Last week, I asked you for your questions and you delivered. Answered a bunch here and looking forward to doing this again soon. Spoiler revealing POTUS's favorite ice cream. And President Biden tweeted back Can confirm it's chocolate chip. So normal, man. So normal. I mean, he's so normal that his favorite ice cream is chocolate chip, which is like the most normal ice cream, right? I mean, if you said vanilla, then you would be like, oh, well, he doesn't like chocolate. And if he said chocolate, you would be like, well, well, probably he doesn't like vanilla. So and if he said cookie dough, you'd be like, well, you know, that, that, that are a lot of carbs in there. So instead, he was just like chocolate chip. And it was wow. Look how normal that guy is. That guy is so normal. I've never met somebody as normal as Joe Biden. So Yasha Monk, who, who's writing I typically like at The Atlantic, he immediately tweets out. It's so nice to have a boring president. OK, and that's going to be the theme. He's a boring president. Now, you can have a boring man who is president without him being a boring president. This is the thing. You can have a boring man who is the president of the United States without the presidency being particularly boring. Okay, Woodrow Wilson, extraordinarily boring human being. right? like just a bore from top to bottom. His presidency was one of the worst presidencies in American history. It was characterized by vast amounts of terribleness. You have perfectly normal people as president of the United States, and yet the presidency is not boring because it turns out the presidency is not just the personality. The presidency is what you do with the power. The presidency is the policy that you implement that affects, at this point, 330 million Americans. Yasha Monk then followed up. He said, folks, I have no doubt that like any president, Joe Biden will get plenty of things wrong. I'll speak up when he does. But if you don't feel deep relief that we now have a decent and competent man in the White House, we have very different assessments of the past four years. Okay, well, what if I'm mostly concerned As I was during the Trump administration with the policy that comes out of the White House that affects me, what if I'm mostly concerned with the direction the United States moves? Now, none of that is an attempt to justify the various excesses and insanities of the Trump White House. But I think that we can acknowledge on a baseline level that the policy pursued by the Trump administration was shockingly normal. Again, for a a president who is definitely not a normal dude, that was a shockingly normal policy White House. And then we get this, which is, he's so normal, guys. We can He's so normal, we can go to sleep. We can just go to sleep. We don't even have to do our jobs here in the media. In fact, it's over. We, we no longer have to worry about anything. Okay, so the, the norm coring, the, the attempt to pretend that Joe Biden is like the most normal person who has ever lived is so in swing on the left. I mean, to the point where they are now out there taking the least normal parts of Biden and making them normal. It's pretty incredible. So here's Brian Stelter, who reliable sources. He's supposed to be the media watchdog. And instead, of course, he is just Joe Biden's lapdog. Here he was. Honestly, I'm just my new nickname for the main for the establishment media when it comes to Democratic administrations. They're the human centipede. They're just the human centipede. Anyway, here is here is Brian Stelter explaining that Joe Biden is making news boring again. He's making news. boring. See, here's the thing. If you were a news person, Brian Stelter, the news would not be boring. He's pursuing some fairly radical policy right off the bat. We'll get to that in a moment. But it's boring because you see all you wanted to cover, Trump made their job so easy. He really did. The reason that Trump made their job easy is because every day they would get up, they would look at Trump's Twitter feed, and that would decide what they covered that day. He would literally just tweet out the news cycle. He'd be like, This country is a bleep hole. I mean, like, oh my God, that's 12 hours of content. Get me a panel, Jamel Hill. I, I want, get, I, I, you know, I need on air right now. Get Michael Eric Dyson on the phone. Stat, the president tweeted out that a country is a bleep hole country. And everybody's like, that, Okay, yeah, that's. Like not great, but I'm just wondering what that has to do with policy. I'm like, no, 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 no not normal. We're gonna have 12 hours of not normal with Chiron's not normal, right? That, that was the whole, the entire Trump administration was that. The truth is, the saddest people in the world in the media that Trump's Twitter got banned are the members of the media, because now they actually are supposed to have to do their jobs. But here's the thing: they're not going to do their jobs. Instead, they have de- Literally, their new policy in the media is to declare themselves irrelevant. I've never seen anything like this in the media. We felt that we were relevant during the Trump administration because we were calling balls and strikes. I'm a conservative. I was gonna give you my opinion of what Trump did. I was gonna give you my opinion of, yes, the tweets, but also the policy. The media were like, no, we're not gonna cover the policy at all. We're just gonna cover the tweets. And then everything with regard to policy will be seen through the prism of the tweets. But now that a Democrat is in the White House and the Democrats have Congress, now the media are declaring that they no longer are relevant. I've never heard of anything like this. It's amazing. They have the same perspective about their job that I would if I were a politician, which is my job would be to make myself irrelevant so you can live your life. But the media, their job is not to be irrelevant. Their job is to cover the news. But here's Brian Stelter of Reliable Sources explaining. Basically, we're done. The news is boring. You don't have to watch anymore. Turn off CNN. What is going on here? Here's Brian Stelter. Is President Biden making the news boring again?
1: People are always asking what the media will do post President Trump. This week, after Biden's inauguration, they've been asking, are reporters going through withdrawal? Are they missing Trump's tweets? Are they lost without outrages to cover? These headlines from from Axios and other websites point out that that Biden's plan is dull by design. So is he making the news boring again?
0: Is he he making the news boring? and, And then he shows a couple of headlines, right? Axios, Biden's dull by design plan. The Atlantic, boring is better, Mashable: Joe Biden's first Presidential tweet is refreshingly boring. See, he's so normal, guys. Normal, boring with normalcy and boringness. Isn't that amazing? By the way, Stelter then tweeted out a Chiron on his show. This is the Chiron. Saki promises to share accurate info in parentheses. How refreshing. What do you think your job is, Brian Stelter? Like, seriously, what do you perceive your job to be? How refreshing? Okay, so here's the thing. Every single person who gets up at the White House podium says they're about to provide you accurate information. They then lie to you. Okay, this has happened for every single White House press secretary of whom I'm aware. Some of them lied less than others. Dana Perino and Ari Fleischer lied less than Robert Gibbs and Jay Carney. Okay, but the, the basic idea that you in the media are going to be like, how refreshing, a politician has promised me honesty. Literally the opposite of your job. Your job is to say, yes, I know you're promising me honesty. And now I'm going to hold you accountable. But they don't do that. They have no intention of doing that. I mean, the wild shift between look how normal and boring this is. And five minutes ago when it was everything is a crisis. Every single thing is a crisis. It's absolutely astonishing. Right, here's a flashback. Right? Here, so Brian Stelter was saying, this is, we're back to normal, guys. It's boring. It's normal. This is Brian Stelter just a few months ago being like, nothing is normal. There's not a single thing that's happening that's normal right now. It's like
1: New Orleans floods every day. It's like the planes go into the towers every day and to look away or act like it's now normal or acceptable is a disgrace to the victims.
0: Okay, I just going to point out, while you guys are talking about Joe Biden's ice cream flavor, while you guys are talking about how normal Joe Biden is and the new boring and the new normal, more people are dying on a daily basis in the United States than have ever died from covid in the entire history of covid. Just going to point that out. So if we were if we were the media and we were to cover this consistently right now, Brian Stelter would have been on TV yesterday. who had been like, look, there was Joe Biden tweeting out about chocolate chip ice cream. Yesterday was 9-11 in the United States. Yesterday, planes were flying into buildings in the United States. And this guy was tweeting about chocolate chip ice cream. How di- this is not normal. But no, no, no. They're never going to do that. Right. Because it's so normal. Everything's normal. And the media are determined to talk about how normal this is. OK, so last week, one of the reporters in the White House... Press room. Ask Jen Psaki, does Joe miss being a candidate? These are the kind of questions that you are going to get from your establishment media, the human centipede over here.
1: Presidents and candidates have some events where they're fun for the candidate. The the big crowd on the acceptance speech at the convention, the big crowd at the uh, inauguration, big rallies because of covid. This president has has been denied all those. Has he ever been at all wistful about sort of missing the fun parts of, uh, of being a candidate and the inauguration?
0: Look at how Jen Psaki's face reacts to that question. So Jen Psaki's face is like, it's like when my it's like when one of my kids asks a cute question to my wife. That is that is what that looks like. She's looking at this reporter like he's her child asking a dumb but sweet question. Because that is a dumb but sweet question. Does, does he ever feel like he missed out on having big crowds, Joe Biden? Does he ever feel like he missed it? In the first 48 hours of his presidency, he signed into law 13 executive orders, many of them extremely radical. And your question is, did he miss out on having crowds? You guys, I wonder why no one trusts you. Seriously, no one trusts you. And meanwhile, the media are, are just, they're openly declaring themselves irrelevant. It's unbelievable. Again, I keep coming back to this because it's astonishing to me. I can't I I almost can't fathom doing this. It's the opposite of what everyone else in life does, which is you make it relevant to everybody else what your job is. Right. But the media, whose literal job is to cover the news, they're like, well, I guess there's no more news to cover. I guess we just don't we won't cover it anymore. So Glenn Kessler, who is the fact checker at The Washington Post, he's like, you know, we're not going to need to fact check them like Trump. We had a running we had a running list. Of the number of times Trump lied, we're not going to have to do with Joe Biden because he's a truth teller, guys. He's a truth teller. Here is the editor and chief writer for The Washington Post fact checker, Glenn Kessler, announcing we don't need to fact check them the way that we did Donald Trump. No, no, they would. No, no. I assume the Biden, you know, I did five years of Obama
1: uh, and uh, I assume the Biden uh, presidency will be a lot like the Obama
0: presidency and that they will be responsive uh, And we'll be able to quickly back up what they're saying. And occasionally the president will go off kilter, particularly
1: when he's, you know, speaking extemporaneously and not following something that has previously been fact-checked. In the
0: very first press conference, Jen Psaki and Biden, by the way, lied repeatedly, lied repeatedly about the idea that there was no vaccine plan, lied repeatedly about it. That's a big lie. That's not a small lie. That is a very, very large lie, is the idea they were handed nothing. The day of the inauguration, Over 1 million vaccinations were performed in the United States. They were not handed nothing. Okay, if Trump had come in and be like, there is no plan at all. None, none, zero, zero plan. I have to ramp this up from zero. Everyone like, that's a lie. That's not true. How dare he? And now they're like, you know what? It'll just be like the Obama. Yes, it will be like the Obama administration that Obama repeatedly lied. People in his administration bragged about lying to you guys and you guys insisted they were honest to you. Like an abused girlfriend, the media. Like no, yeah, I know my boyfriend cheats on me regularly and uh, he meets up with like random strangers and does blow in the bathroom, but he's really a good guy. He would never lie to me. He never, like sure, I, I checked his cell phone and it was just full of pictures with him and Instagram models, but he would never cheat on me. That, that, stop that. Why are you saying that about him? Stop it. This is your media, amazing. My favorite is that they continue to bring Jake Harney on TV to talk about the integrity of the Biden administration. Talk about somebody who has a bit of a rooting interest. Jay Carney was the press secretary for Barack Obama. He worked with Jen Psaki. And here he is like, you know who's who's got a lot of integrity? I mean, I'm gonna shock you with this. You know who's got a lot of integrity? The people I agree with. Here's Jay Carney.
1: The administration telegraphed very early uh this is how they were going to be honest and truthful instead of spinning about it's you know today joe biden is president tomorrow COVID's you know the beginning of the end is near they've been very clear that it's going to get worse before it gets better and i think you begin to make deposits in the integrity bank when you when you're honest with the press and therefore the people. And I and I was glad to see that. And I know we're going to see more of it.
0: By the way, they've been so clear about how it's going to get worse before it get better that Joe Biden said that he was going to shut down the virus. That was like part of his actual pitch. Just going to note that. OK, I mean, like this is an act, he, October 30th, 2020. Quote, I'm not going to shut down the country. I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm going to shut down the virus. Joe Biden's official Twitter account. Mm-hmm. OK, but so much honesty, guys, happening so much. OK, but it's not just about the honesty and the integrity and the normalcy of a Biden administration. It's also about how normal Biden is on a personal level. The guy is just normal beyond normal. So my favorite piece of the weekend, I really love this piece because I'm a watch guy, right? I like luxury watches. I don't just wear the Vacheron. I have like a bunch of luxury watches at home. So I know something about watches. And there's a piece in the New York Times about Joe Biden and his watches. And now Joe Biden owns a number of very expensive watches. By very expensive, I mean that these are watches that price upwards of $6,000, $7,000, $8,000. So there's an article in the New York Times. Their task in this article, should they choose to accept it, is to turn it into a normal habit to collect watches. Now, I'm fully aware that it is not a normal habit to have many expensive watches. I know this because like five years ago, I didn't have any expensive watches. And it was, it was a luxury that as I, being able, as I was able to afford it, I was able to indulge in that luxury. But it is not a normal thing. It's not a normal thing. When I give watches to friends and family, which I do fairly regularly, when I do that, it's like a big deal to them. As it should be, because these are expensive watches. So the New York Times has to somehow come up with the idea that Joe Biden is the super normalist guy who ever normaled. Well, he has super expensive watches. So here's how they do it. Listen to this. I, I love this so much. The article is titled Joe Biden Watch Geek in Chief. Recent presidents not named Trump have tended to wear man timepieces such as Timex and Shinola. Here's what the piece says. President Biden may cast his arrival in the White House as a return to business as usual at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, but there's at least one way he's breaking from prevailing presidential tradition. He wears a Rolex. At his inauguration, Mr. Biden laid his hand on the family Bible wearing a stainless steel Rolex Datejust watch with a blue dial, a model that retails for more than $7,000 and is a far cry from the everyman timepieces that every president not named Trump has worn conspicuously in recent decades. Okay, so here's cheat number one. How much does the watch cost? So it's a Rolex Datejust, right? That's a nice watch. That's a very nice watch. How much does that cost? So they say that it retails for more than $7,000. How much more? They click through to the link. If you click through to the link, the answer is it retails not for about $7,000. It retails for $7,900, almost $8,000. So instead of them wording it as the watch is worth almost $8,000, they word it that the watch is worth over $7,000. Hmm, interesting how they do that. And then they say to many, a president wearing a luxury watch might not seem unusual. Shouldn't the leader of the free world wear a power watch befitting his position? Never mind that it costs the equivalent of a dozen or so stimulus checks. That concept was, a wide, was widely accepted once back when Dwight D. Eisenhower and Lyndon Johnson posed guiltlessly for Oval Office portraits wearing gold Rolexes. Not for nothing is Rolex's storied gold Day-Date model known as the president. Such political power watches, however, had gone out of style in the Internet age, when most recent presidents and politicians in general seem to consider the luxury watch as a signifier of out-of-touch elitism. Okay, I'm going to get to more of this in just one second because it is just spectacular. The way that the New York Times twists Joe Biden owns expensive watches into, but look how normal he is while owning expensive watches. Is, uh, it's amazing. It's really great. We'll get to that in just one second first. Let's talk about the fact that you don't have a bunch of money to spare. Instead, what you need to do is not spend time at the post office and save money on all of the packages that you are sending on a day-to-day basis. This is why you need to head on over to Stamps.com. Stamps.com allows you to mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. You can send letters, ship packages, pay a lot less with discounted rates from USPS, UPS, and more. Here at Daily Wire, we have been using Stamps.com since 2017. We don't waste our time and we don't waste our money. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS right to your computer. Stamps.com is a must-have for any business. With Stamps.com, you get discounts of up to 40% off post office rates and up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. Not to mention, Stamps.com is a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. Stamps.com, it's a no-brainer. It saves you time. It saves you money. It's no wonder nearly 1 million small businesses already use Stamps.com. So stop wasting your time going to the post office and go to Stamps.com instead. There's no risk. With my promo code Shapiro, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and digital scale. No long-term commitments, no contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on that microphone at the top of the homepage, type in Shapiro. That is stamps.com, promo code Shapiro. Again, that is stamps.com, promo code Shapiro. Okay, so back to the New York Times attempting to turn Joe Biden's watch habit into a norm core thing. So they say that Bill Clinton used to wear a Timex Ironman and George W. Bush wore a Timex Indiglio. The choice of a watch that cost 50 bucks or less was either a man of the people statement, says the New York Times, even though Mr. Bush was an oil scion who went to Yale, or a masterstroke of old money preppyism, where any hint of gilded glimmer is considered vulgar. Barack Obama, too, avoided heirloom-level timepieces. During his presidency, he opted for mid-priced All-American watches by Shinola or a sporty watch by George Gray based in Southern California that cost less than 500 bucks. This may come as a shock, but Trump shattered those norms. He remained on brand during his term, flashing mogul-worthy gold, what else? Watches by Patek Philippe, Rolex, and Vacheron Constantine, right? Those are very, very expensive watches. Which brings us to Mr. Biden, who seems to balance both horological, horological sensibilities, horological meaning having to do with watches. He seems to balance both horological sensibilities and is unafraid to show off his house wa- Swiss watches, all stainless steel, including his Rolex, an Omega Speedmaster Moonwatch Professional, and an Omega Seamaster Diver 300M. Both of which retail for around five or six thousand dollars. Okay, first of all, depends on the model you're looking at. The Moonwatch Professional very often retails at about eight grand, and the Omega Seamaster Diver three hundred M, depending if you're getting like the Bond Edition. That also retails at about eight grand. So what you're talking about is at least twenty thousand dollars worth of watches. Is what you're talking about right here. Here's the New York Times. To be fair, none of Mr. Biden's watches scream luxury, at least to watch connoisseurs who are acclimated to the thin air of Swiss watch prices. Wait, they don't scream luxury. Really? Do, do they not? To many people whose entire salary on a yearly basis might be fifty or $60,000, it seems to me that only $20,000 of watches in excess of that easily might be considered at least a little bit of luxury. Just a little. Again, there's nothing wrong with this, okay? I'm not anti-collecting luxury watches. I collect luxury watches. I love it. I think it's fun. Okay, and I don't think there's anything wrong with Joe Biden doing it. I'm just pointing out that the media have to take even the things about Joe Biden that scream not normal and then pigeonhole them back into normal. So what they're doing is they're taking a a habit that is not inexpensive. And they're like, yeah, but that's like a normal guy would do, right? I mean, like, come on. Is that Come on. Really? Yeah. Why not? His Rolex Datejust, for example, is considered an undisputed classic, but in another sense, almost could be regarded as entry level for a brand with head turners that quickly climb into the five figures. So he's saying the Rolex Datejust, which is like eight, eight grand at retail. You know, yeah, that's a really expensive watch. Yeah, that's like a used car right there. But, and Joe Biden is Captain Normalcy who takes Amtrak. So it's a little incongruous. And we, didn't, we wouldn't want to betray the fact that Joe Biden is worth $10 million, owns three separate houses. Like we wouldn't want to do any of that because that seems not normal. But, you know, here's the thing. If you look at it in a certain way, a Rolex Datejust is actually just like a Timex. Like if you compare a Rolex to other Rolexes, it's just like a Timex. Because the Datejust is one of their down model brands. Right. It's like if you if you look at the date, just that's like one of their lesser expensive watches. OK, I could say the exact same thing This is going to be very specific about the Patek Philippe Calatrava. Okay, Calatrava is the baseline of Patek Philippe. Patek Philippe is uh, in, in the HBO show Succession. There is a a, a, very, a great line about Patek Philippe uh, that the line is is uttered by one of the uh, sons in law of the mogul who's supposed to be kind of Rupert Murdoch. And he wants to give his father in law a Patek Philippe. And when he gives him the watch, he says, it's a watch that tells you how rich you are, right? So Patek Philippe, the baseline Calatrava model, if you buy it new, is gonna cost you almost $20,000. Okay, that's a very, very upscale luxury line. But compared to other Patek Philippe's, which can run all the way up to a million dollars, that's really down brand, right? It's like a Timex. So Rolex Datejust, it's just like a Timex if you compare it to, you know, like the Rolex Daytona. Or if you compare it to, you know, the 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 Rolex Seamaster, right? If you, if you compare it to, to the... To the to the, very, the, the, yacht, the yacht master whatever it is, the sea dweller, the James Cameron sea dweller. They, okay, come on, like you're working too hard here, guys. Likewise, his omegas do not connote fanciness, at least in the eyes of watch snobs. The moon watch, while well, Swiss in origin, has been embraced as an American emblem ever since the Apollo 11 astronauts wore the story model to the moon. Uh, they do connote fanciness, actually, because they cost a lot of money. Also, they're like the Seamaster's a brawny scuba watch worn by Daniel Craig's bone-breaking James Bond. That doesn't connote fanciness. James Bond is literally the guy who wears a tux with the the Seamaster. Okay, so they are working so hard. So here's how they finish. You ready? Whether a conscious fashion statement or not, the high-end but macho watches suggest that even at 78, this former high school football star of the Kennedy years still wants to be seen as a he-man, rugged and young at heart. See his aviator sunglasses. They also embody a classic version of the American dream that anyone, even a kid from Scranton, can make it to the pinnacle of power. Then again, he may just wish to make it to White House meetings on time. Oh, so normal, guys. Like, he's the American dream. Now, if a Republican wore an expensive watch and came from nothing, right? If I, if if the New York Times were to do an article about the fact that I own expensive watches, do you think that it would be really rooted in, Shapiro grew up in a two-bedroom home of 1,100 square feet, sharing a room with three siblings with one bathroom, right? So six people, 1,100 square feet, one bathroom, one phone, right? Do you, Do you think that it would be about the rising from humble beginnings to be able to own an expensive watch? Or do you think it would be like, look at that elitist with his expensive watch? Blah, blah, blah. But it's Joe Biden, guys. He's so normal. He's so normal. I mean, sure, he owns a house in Wilmington, Delaware. That was the, the property was purchased for 350 bucks and the property's now worth more than $2 million. Sure, he has another one in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. That's worth like 3 million bucks. And sure, they rented a house in McLean, Virginia. That is... Uh, Over 12,000 square feet, but he's a normal dude. He's so normal, so much normalcy. Wow, just unbelievable levels of normalcy. Okay, so this is the goal. The goal is we are going to push Joe Biden as a normal human. And the reason we're gonna push Joe Biden as a normal human is so we don't have to cover the fact that his policy is absolutely abnormal. And that's the thing. The more you pretend he's normal, the less you have to focus on his policy. So for example, he just killed the Keystone XL pipeline. That's not a normal thing to do. It just killed at least 11,000 American jobs. It pissed off our northern neighbors in Canada. Ted Cruz asked Pete Buttigieg about this. And Buttigieg was like, well, yeah, I understand we're killing lots of jobs. But you you have to understand that overall, it's going to create jobs. No, it's not. It's not. Okay, it is not a normal policy to kill Keystone XL. But we have to. This is a boring presidency, guys. Stop paying attention to the policy. Here is Ted Cruz with the the hoping for uh, the incoming secretary of transportation, Pete Buttigieg.
1: I think the most important thing is to make sure that we make good on the promise of the president's climate vision as being one that on net creates far more jobs. Millions, we hope. Uh, I know that won't just happen. We'll have to do a lot of work to make sure that's real. Uh, But getting this right means ensuring that there are more good paying union jobs for all Americans delivered through that infrastructure vision.
0: Right. So normal. So normal to just kill 11000 jobs for no real reason. Also normal, federal agents were firing tear gas to defend an ICE facility in Portland over the weekend. Remember when that was a fascist? Remember when Trump sent federal agents to uh, to fight back people who were trying to invade a federal facility and it was fascist? Not normal. Not normal. This can't happen in America. Joe Biden does it so normal. It's not even worth reporting on so normal that when Jen Psaki was asked about it at a press conference, she literally did not know that it was even happening. That's how normal things are. Okay, other normal things that have been happening over the weekend. So Joe Biden is now set to lift restrictions on transgender military service members. So to understand exactly what this means, you have to understand what the policy was before. So the actual policy on transgender service members was in 2019 rewritten slightly. And the basic idea is that it was OK to identify as transgender in the military. There, there actually was no formal transgender military ban as implemented by the United States military. But the the actual transgender military ban was designed to prevent, essentially, people from joining up and then suffering from severe mental illness, gender dysphoria, and then needing transgender surgeries. That's what it was designed to do, right? So the policy allowed that if you wanted a transgender surgery, the military could discharge you because now you're basically joining up and then you required surgeries that shouldn't be paid for by the taxpayer was the basic idea. Biden is now reversing that. By the way, the, the idea that this was some form of discrimination is, is completely bizarre, considering the fact that there are a bevy of mental illnesses that make you ineligible for military service. According to TheBalanceCareers.com, here are some of the disqualifying medical conditions for serving in the military. No one has a right to serve in the military. Right? First of all, this is not what I'm about to say right here. None of this is a referendum on individuals, transgender or otherwise, who are joining the military and doing something far more patriotic than I have done, right? All of those people should be given enormous, enormous tribute. This is a question of how you make military policy. Military policy does not allow the following people to join the military. If you suffer from ADHD, you cannot join the military unless you can demonstrate passing academic performance and no use of medication in the prior year. Okay, you are not allowed to join the military if you have a current or history of academic skills or perceptual defects, including but not limited to dyslexia. If you have any history of disorders, that have psychotic features like schizophrenia or paranoid disorder. Any mood disorder like depression or bipolar or psychosis, All of that is disqualifying. Any history of mood disorder requiring medication and or outpatient care for longer than six months by a mental health professional is also disqualifying. Also, any symptoms of mood and mental issue that affect social ability, school and learning, or work efficiency. Disqualifying. Behavioral disorders. Disqualifying. Right, so. Uh, Their speech affected disorders. It, any speech impediment, any speech impediment, stammering, stuttering, or other receptive or expressive language disorder that may significantly interfere with the ability to repeat commands is disqualifying. Any history of suicidal behavior that even includes discussions, gestures, or the actual attempt is disqualifying. Self mutilation is disqualifying. Anxiety issues, either current or historic, panic, agoraphobia, social phobia, simple phobias, OCD, OCD, other acute reactions to stress, PTSD. All of these are disqualifying for entry into the service. But if you're a man who believes you're a woman, Joe Biden believes that should not be anything that disqualifies you for service. Right? That, that seems fairly radical. Right? Kind of radical. No, apparently not. Apparently that is not radical in any way, shape, or form. But again, that's because everything is normal. Everything is super duper normal. The policy, by the way, was until Joe Biden came into, po- into power that currently serving transgender troops, anyone who's signed an enlistment contract would be able to continue with plans for hormone treatments and gender transition, but no one with gender dysphoria who was taking hormones or had transitioned to another gender would be allowed to enlist. Anyone currently serving, any currently serving troops diagnosed with gender dysphoria will have to serve in birth gender. You can't just switch gender and barred from taking hormones or getting transition surgery. That was the Trump administration policy. That is being completely overthrown. Does that seem like super normal to you? Interesting, interesting that this is what is now normal. Also, other things that are normal. They're going to be pursuing equity above all. By equity, the Democrats mean They're going to be seeking equal outcome, not the enforcement of equal rights. According to The New York Times, in his first days in office, President Biden has devoted more attention to issues of racial equity than any new president since Lyndon Baines Johnson, a focus that has cheered civil rights activists and drawn early criticism from conservatives. In his inauguration speech, the president pledged to defeat white supremacy using a burst of executive orders on day one to declare that, quote, advancing equity, civil rights, racial justice and equal opportunity is the responsibility of our whole government. He has ordered his coronavirus response team to ensure that vaccines are distributed equitably, not on the basis of risk, equitably. His $1.9 trillion recovery plan targets underserved communities by calling for paid leave for women forced out of jobs, unemployment benefits that largely help black and brown workers, and expanded tax credits for impoverished Americans who are disproportionately non-white. So they are, they are looking at equity issues above all, right? Not, not freedom, equity. But don't worry, guys, this is all normal. This is just, this is the new normal because Biden's a normal guy. So don't pay any attention to what his actual agenda is. Just pay attention to the fact that he's a normal dude who likes chocolate chip ice cream. And even though he wears expensive watches, it's like a normal guy wearing expensive watches, not like a rich guy wearing expensive watches. Okay, in a second, we're going to get to more of the abnormal policy and what it means for the country. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that your most valuable asset is probably your home right? Particularly it's your home title. So nobody's going to steal your home because that's not really a possibility, but your home title can be stolen. And okay, the legal titles to our homes, they're kept online where they can be hacked. A cyber thief finds your home's title, forges your signature on a quitclaim deed, stating you sold your home to him, then takes out a loan against your home until all the equity is gone. You're not going to know until the collection calls pour in. You're not protected by your bank or common identity theft programs. Home Title Lock can protect you. In the unlikely event you become a victim of title theft while you're a member, Home Title Lock will spend up to a quarter million dollars in legal fees to help restore your home's title. So head on over to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address, and see if you are already a victim. Then use code radio for 30 free days of protection. That is code radio at home titlelock.com. Again, check them out at home title lock.com. The last thing you want to do is leave your most powerful and most valuable asset exposed to the gentle predations of people who would like to steal your money. Go protect your home title today. Head on over to HomeTitleLock.com. Use code radio for 30 free days of protection. Alrighty, we're going to get back to this in just one moment. We're also going to get to impeachment talk and cancel culture. There's a lot going on over the weekend, plus COVID. Okay, like I, We got to talk about Anthony Fauci for a second. We'll get to that in a second. First, Daily Wire, we are taking back the culture. We are starting with entertainment content. Earlier this month, we released our first film, Run, Hide, Fight, exclusively for Daily Wire members. You can catch it over at dailywire.com, on our mobile app, or on our streaming apps at Apple TV and Roku. If you're not a Daily Wire member yet, use promo code RHF to get 25% off. That is RHF for 25% off. The early critical reviews for the movie, terribly negative. Of course. Of course, because those are the kinds of movies that we probably will be making. The stuff the critics hate, but that you love. Audience scores have exploded. We picked up Run, Hide, Fight after Hollywood Studios turned away from the quote-unquote distasteful subject because it didn't include leftist talking points and celebrated actual bravery. Run, Hide, Fight follows a 17-year-old girl who fights back against school shooters. It's terrific. It's a really, really good movie. Our viewers are loving it. And right now you can catch it over at dailywire.com on our mobile app or on our streaming apps at Apple TV and Roku. If you're not a Daily Wire member yet, use promo code RHF to get 25% off. That is RHF for 25% off. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So normalcy, normalcy, normalcy. Many of the people who are still pushing normalcy are overtly calling for Joe Biden to do things that are not normal. So for example, David Brooks, who is like, the normal guy, right? He is norm core. He is norm core to the extreme. He's the guy who once praised Barack Obama because Barack Obama creased his khakis. I kid you not. That is a thing that David Brooks did. So David Brooks had a piece in the New York Times over the weekend in which he said this, the Biden values are there humility, vulnerability, compassion, resilience, interdependence, solidarity. Donald Trump's patriotism was bloated and fear-based. Biden's is the self-confident patriotism he absorbed by growing up in a certain sort of country during the American century. Biden is setting the stage for a moral revival, a moral revival. Biden has the right agenda, the redistribution of dignity. And then my favorite, he just skipped forward a couple of paragraphs. He says, I was struck by how Republicans and Democrats are committed to each other across party lines, how fervently they want to break the partisan logjam is all the normality. And then he says this, if this doesn't work and Republicans go into full obstruction mode, Democrats should absolutely kill the filibuster. Oh, that seems normal. Oh, you mean you're going to kill the filibuster, which has been the greatest procedural check on majoritarian excesses for the past, I don't know, 180 years or so? That's it. That seems like kind of not normal, actually. But no, it's super duper normal. Everything is normal. Over at the Washington Post, EJ Dion saying, you know what? We don't need unity. We need urgency because that's what normalcy is, right? Normalcy is ignoring your political opposition and just running roughshod over them. So much normalcy, amazing normalcy happening. I-, I can feel the normalcy breaking out all over. Uh, it, just not in the policy. Everywhere else, the normalcy is breaking out all over. Speaking of normalcy breaking out all over. So Anthony Fauci now says that he is going, he feels free. He's free at last. Okay, so number one, Anthony Fauci was made the face of all of this by Donald Trump's administration. He also proceeded to botch this thing six ways from Sunday. I know we're all supposed to worship at the altar of Anthony Fauci, but let me just point out, Anthony Fauci has not been good. Okay, Anthony Fauci was wrong about people worrying about this in, in January. When we were told that, that Donald Trump knew and all Anthony Fauci was saying in late January, don't worry about this. He was saying that through February, by the way. He was saying in early March, do not mask up. Then he was saying that the rate of herd immunity was gonna be 70, 75%. And then later he's like, oh, he's lying, it was like 90. Whoops. I was just lying about that. Then he was in In Touch magazine. You know, he was taking all the plaudits, what a hero he was, just incredible. Well now. Anthony Fauci, who literally was on the cover of InTouch magazine while Trump was president, he's saying, now I feel free. He's so free. And so here's Anthony Fauci over the weekend explaining, science will rule in the Biden administration and science will speak. Sure, the COVID vaccination terms, according to the New York Times, are going to be set through equity, not science, equity. Equity is about the idea that if you have a disproportionate number of white old people, you should ignore the elderly in favor of younger black people, right? That's what equity would dictate. Because after all, we have to have the same racial outcomes. It's not about protecting the most vulnerable. It's about equity. equity. Here, anyway, here was Anthony Fauci, the greatest of all scientists. Again, in terms of doctors, it goes like Dr. J, Dr. Strange, Jonas Salk, Anthony Fauci. That's, that's how it goes. Here was Dr. Fauci explaining that now he is free. Science will rule. Science will speak. Men are ladies. Babies don't exist until they're born. Go, Dr. Fauci.
1: The president made it very clear that what we were going to do Uh, going forward is everything is going to be based on science and evidence and data and science will rule and science will speak. We will be transparent. There will be bumps in the road. There will be potholes. There might be mistakes that we make. And what we're going to be doing is instead of pointing fingers, making blame, we're going to try and fix it.
0: OK, so he's uh, amazing. Now, the, the new day has dawned. Now, let's just be frank about this. The vaccine that's been put in place was created under the Trump administration. The vaccine plan that will be put in place will be a Trump administration plan with very, very minor tweaks by the incoming Biden administration. But don't worry, guys. Now we're, we're back to normal. Things are going to be amazing. By the way, speaking of things that are, uh, are normal, apparently Joe Biden is now going to reinstate all these COVID travel restrictions. He's imposing a new ban on South Africa. Only American citizens in South Africa can now come home. Everybody else is barred from coming in. I seem to remember when Joe Biden thought that doing this with China was a really, really bad idea. You know who else, by the way, thought it was a bad idea? Apparently, Anthony Fauci in the early days thought that this was a particularly bad idea. Also, it turns out that the incoming Biden administration literally doesn't have any idea on what they are doing. But the normalcy is there, guys. It's really about the normalcy. It's about the normal attitude. It's not so much about what they do as much as the attitude. So Xavier Becerra, who is a radical leftist. Okay, He was the attorney general of the state of California. There is no reason in hell this man should be up for secretary of health and human services other than he checks particular, particular intersectional boxes. Like he has no history of, of really knowing what he's doing with regard to public health. Doesn't matter. He's gonna be the incoming health and human services secretary for no reason. C- again, because the way that Biden did this administration was here are some people, here are some positions. What if I randomly assign them? Just pick a card. Who wants to be secretary of health and human services? Bob, it's you. Very exciting stuff. Here is Xavier Becerra openly playing down the response of the Biden administration. You see, when, when bad things happen and you say they're going to happen, I feel like the joker here, but this is, this is how the media approaches this stuff. If you say bad things are going to happen and then they happen, the media take it in stride. If you say bad things are not going to happen and then they happen, this means that you're a bad person. So here is Xavier Becerra being like, yeah, lots of people are going to die. Yeah, on, on your watch, presumably. But you won't get held to account because that's not the way the media work.
1: I believe President Biden is making it very clear the 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 plane is in a nosedive and we got to pull it up and you're not going to do that overnight, but we're going to pull it up. We have to pull it up. We can do better. We can not only control COVID, but get us back to real normality. But it takes everybody all hands on deck. We've got to make sure we're coordinating and we are talking to people. We're, we can't just tell the states, here's some PPE, some masks. Here's some vaccines. Now go do it. No, no.
0: OK, um, what? That, that sounds like a plan. We're going to talk to people because phones. Phones are your plan. Well done. And then Becerra was asked specifically, uh, so when are the vaccines going to be available? Right? Your, your, your captain plan over here. You're saying you're going to federally coordinate this whole thing. So when can anyone who wants a vaccine get a vaccine? And Becerra's like, and Tana Bash like, oh, sounds great. So here's Becerra. Can you give a
1: timeline? Well, I, I first have to be sworn in I, to, to give you a timeline. But what I could tell you is this. Uh, president Biden has made it very clear to us. We give people straight shot uh, information. We don't, we don't try to hide the ball. Oh. And once we have that information, I guarantee you, we will share it. Can you give me a general timeline? Is your goal this summer? Well, let, let's put it this way. The president, before he had an opportunity to be in the, in the Oval Office when, for one day, had already committed 100 million vaccine shots. In 100 days.
0: Okay, um, I'm just going to point out here that Fauci has already backtracked on this. So originally, Fauci said by 100 million vaccine shots in 100 days. That's not what he said. He said 100 million vaccinated in 100 million days. So 200 million vaccine shots, right? Because it takes two shots. Okay, then Fauci was like, nope, just meant 100 million vaccine shots. Oh, so it sounds like things are going great over there. Normalcy. Can you feel it? Can you feel the normalcy in the air? Speaking of normalcy, California, it turns out they're now lifting their stay at home order on all regions of California. Why, that's amazing. Just as Joe Biden took place, California is releasing everybody from their lockdown and going back to the tier system. Why, it's almost as though that's somewhat political. California was asked for its metrics, and they were like, no, we're not gonna release that to you. You shouldn't know that. According to KTVU, his administration won't disclose key information that will help determine when his latest stay at home order is lifted. He's just but today he's announcing that you're free to you're free to move around. Oh, that's that's exciting. How incredible. By the way, California getting walloped right now by COVID. So obviously, everything is working fine. And there's nothing to see here because everything is boring and normal, guys. Boring and normal and noring and and normal and boring and boring normal boringness. Pretty, pretty exciting stuff. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, We all know the first thing we do when we get home from work is change out of those work clothes and get into the comfortable loungewear. Well, luckily for me, I have Tommy John, because as I slip into something more comfortable, my Tommy John loungewear set, I'm immediately enveloped in a cocoon of supreme softness and unparalleled comfort. Not only is their loungewear cozy enough to use as sleepwear, it's stylish enough to wear for a quick stroll to the park with my kids. And you won't look like you just rolled out of bed, even if you may have done just that. Tommy John uses luxuriously soft tri-blend fabrics with flexible four-way stretch. Plus, their fabric is non-pilling, meaning it doesn't leave behind lint balls or fuzz. And guys, you might be wondering how they can get any better. Good news. Their underwear, amazing. I mean, I've been using them for years, literally throughout all my other pairs of underwear. Incredibly durable. Their fabric moves with you. It's just great stuff. Plus, Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee protects your most valuable asset. So shop at Tommy John. Get 20% off your first order right now at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. Save 20% for a limited time at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. That's TommyJohn.com slash Ben. See site for details. Okay, meanwhile, this week is supposed to launch the impeachment effort against President Trump in the Senate. Now, if you're asking yourself, like, isn't he out of office? Yes, he is indeed out of office. This goal would be to... to prevent him from ever running for office again. According to the Washington Post, Democratic members of Congress are pressing ahead with preparations for the second impeachment trial of former President Trump, saying there is a compelling case for Trump to be convicted of inciting an insurrection and arguing that moving forward with the trial is imperative for the country's healing. Meanwhile, fractures within the Republican Party were evident on Sunday. GOP senators appeared split on whether it was even constitutional to hold an impeachment trial for a president who had already left office. Mitt Romney said that um, they should push forward an impeachment trial um, because uh, we need unity. So here is Mitt Romney, who, again, voted for the impeachment the first time around. So he's saying, shockingly, that he's going to vote for impeachment the second time around. And also, this will bring unity, right? Like the first impeachment trial did. So much unity. You can feel the unity. It seems like unity basically is just do whatever the media want these days. But uh, here is a Senator Romney. Again, I'm not saying Senator Romney is a, a bad moral character for, for pushing for this. I think Senator Romney is a very moral dude. I do. I think he's wrong about this. But here's Senator Romney. Well,
1: we're certainly going to have a trial. Uh, I, I wish that weren't necessary, but the, the president's conduct with regards to the call the secretary of state Raffensburger in Georgia, uh, as well as the incitation towards the insurrection uh, that led to the attack on the Capitol uh, calls for a trial. And, uh, uh, you know, if we're going to have uh, unity in our country, I think it's important to recognize the need for accountability uh, for truth and justice. So I think there will be a trial and I hope it goes as quickly as possible. But that's up to the council
0: on both sides. Okay. Elizabeth Warren said, I can't imagine how Republican opposition to insurrection would fade over the space of a couple of weeks. It's not that Republican opposition to the attempted insurrection inside the Capitol building faded. It's that Trump isn't in office anymore. Okay. The urgency of making him go away has somehow faded when he is not the president of the United States anymore. That happens to be the case. Okay. Later on, on the same show, Romney was on with uh, Chris Wallace, Rubio said this was stupid and bad for America. Uh, and, um, Mike Rounds of South Dakota, he said the same thing. He said impeaching Trump is basically a moot point. The man isn't in office anymore.
1: To begin with, I think it's a moot point because I think right now Donald Trump is no longer the president. He is a former president. Constitution, and I think, and I know that there are other people out there that may disagree with me, but. Article one uh, sections, I think it's three or uh, six and seven specifically point out that you can impeach the president. And it does not indicate that you can impre- impeach someone who is not in office. So I, I think it's a, a moot point, And I think it's one that uh, that were, that they would have a very difficult time in, in, in trying to get done within the Senate.
0: Uh, Senator Rand Paul feels the same way. He said that this is a sham. Uh, he, he writes a piece in the Hill talking about this. He said, the first impeachment of Donald Trump in 2019 was a witch hunt filled with fabricated charges, unsupported evidence, partisan rancor disguised as legal concern. I worked against that impeachment. I'll grant it one thing. While wrongheaded, the Democrats had every right to do it. Fast forward to January, 2021, a national tragedy occurred when militants, agitators, and zealots were convinced and allowed to believe that January 6th could produce any result other than the certification of the electors of President Joe Biden. I stood firmly on the side of those who believe Congress should not overturn state-certified electors and that doing so might destroy the Electoral College. Did Trump push Congress to... Overturn the electors. Yes. Did some of my colleagues perform a little play for their supporters in which they claimed to be fighting for a different outcome. They all knew couldn't happen. Yes. Did the combination of an out of control crowd and absolutely atrocious decisions by those in charge of our security lead to an unfortunate event on January 6th? Also, yes. But to argue that any politician that tells a crowd to fight back to take back your country is somehow guilty of incitement is absurd. And this is the, the right point. OK, this is a, for, forget about the constitutional question of whether you can impeach a, a person who's no longer sitting in office. That's sort of an open constitutional question. The historical precedent seems to be that you can impeach somebody who is or at least convict somebody after they've already left office in order to prevent them from running for office again. Now, I will say that the political acumen of people like Mitt Romney for saying that they think that if they push forward here and the Republicans vote to acquit, which will probably happen right again, you need two thirds of the Senate to vote in favor of a conviction here, which is likely not gonna happen. You'd require 17 Republicans to vote in favor of impeaching Trump here. If that doesn't happen, and your goal as Mitt Romney is to, or Mitch McConnell, is to minimize Trump's presence in the party going forward, him not being convicted in the Senate would be like the best thing for him. Because what Trump would then argue is, the reason that they were coming after me is not because they wanted me out of office. I was already out of office. The reason they came after me is they wanted to prevent you from voting for me again, And so I am running again to give you the opportunity to vote for me again. (laughs) Counterintuitively, the the thing that if Republicans are are like done with this, and I mean elected Republicans, if elected Republicans, politically speaking, are saying we're done with this, then pretty much the worst thing they can do is push forward with this entire thing, knowing that it's going to fail. Because that tends to, and, and as I've said before, I think the American people are done with even thinking about this as a general rule. The the American enthusiasm for impeachment is very high at the beginning, and then it steadily drops off. Post-election impeachment talk in the middle of a COVID pandemic, in the middle of an economic crisis, I think many Americans are being like, why are we talking about Trump still? Like, isn't he not the president? Didn't he lose by 7 million votes and by 80 electoral votes? Isn't that that what happened on January 6th? In any case, Rand Paul makes the, the, the best sort of principled point with regard to impeachment. He says, if we're to blame politicians for the most violent acts of their craziest supporters, many of my colleagues would face some pretty harsh charges themselves. I've been shot at, assaulted, and harassed by supporters of the left, including some who directly said the words of politicians moved them to violence. I was at the ball field when a deranged Bernie Sanders supporter almost killed Steve Scalise and seriously wounded several others. At the time, Democrats were arguing the GOP plan for healthcare was, you get sick and then they let you die. Is it any wonder an insane left-wing gunman took that rhetoric to heart and concluded, if the GOP is going to let me die, maybe I'll just kill them first? Interestingly, not one Republican stepped up to blame Bernie Sanders or suggest he be impeached or held responsible for the attempted assassination of more than 20 congressmen. And he says, what of this exercise the House started and the Senate is about to take up, which some will dutifully report as impeachment? Impeachment is a tool to remove somebody from office. And again, I think the constitutional question is a, a lot more unsettled than Paul is making it out to be, but I think that his argument there, which is if the charge is incitement, you actually have to prove incitement. Okay, And it's very difficult to prove incitement in a speech in which Trump said, I want you to peacefully protest down at the Capitol building. That's a very difficult charge to prove just on the face of it. Everybody knows that if Trump were in court, there is no way to prove criminal incitement against him on that basis. And with the Raffensburger call to prove that he was intimidating Raffensburger, number one, you'd have to show that he actually had leverage over Raffensperger. And number two, you'd have to show he wasn't just mouthing off. We talked about that on the show, even when it happened. Many things can be true at once. Trump's behavior could be egregious and bad and wrong and lying and anti-factual. All of that can be true. And also, it can be not a crime and not particularly impeachable on the basis of any sort of consistent principle. And that's the question, because what we're talking about is the establishment of the consistent principle. Anything's impeachable, right? It's a, it's a political thing. You can impeach anybody for anything. But the, uh, but the basic idea of impeachment for the Democrats is, of course, political. They want to keep Trump top of the headlines. The more they keep Trump top, this ties back into the idea that what they are looking for is to contrast Biden's supposed personal normalcy with Donald Trump's supposed personal abnormality. And that way you'll ignore all of the underlying policy that is shifting radically in the direction of a hardcore left. And this is why Chuck Schumer and the Democrats are really pushing this thing. Here is Chuck Schumer late in the week um, explaining bizarrely that uh, President Trump actually incited an erection. I don't know what Chuck Schumer is thinking about here. That's that's a weird thing to say, but here we go.
1: Make no mistake, there will be a trial, and when that trial ends, senators will have to decide if they believe Donald John Donald John Trump incited the erection insurrection against the United States.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Okay. Yep. There we go. By the way, Anderson Cooper apparently made the same mistake like uh, about about a week ago, so I'm not sure. It's it's a fraught time. It's a fraught time in American politics. And meanwhile, the the generalized push in the culture continues to be, and, and this is going to be, I think, part of the pushback on the right to any sort of impeachment effort, is going to be there is a broader effort right now in the media to not just go after Trump, obviously, but to suggest that if you don't want Trump impeached, Or if you ever voted for Trump and you do want him impeached, but if you ever supported any elements of Trump, you're part of the abnormality. right? The goal of, again, if the whole campaign here is we are the new normal ones, the Democrats, we're the normal ones, right? And look at Trump. That guy wasn't normal. We're normal. Sure, we're pushing for a bunch of random crap that most Americans don't actually like very much. And sure, the election was mostly a referendum on Trump's personality. We're going to make it about policy, though. You can see the attempt to lump everybody who has a generalized conservative worldview in with Trump. I've said this since the day that this happened. That there were two actual horrific events on January 6th. One was the horrific event itself, right? And everything surrounding it, the behavior leading up to it, the behavior by Trump, the behavior by senators, right? There's a lot of bad stuff involved on January 6th. Acts of evil by the people who actually perpetrated the crime at the Capitol, okay? That was one bad thing that happened. And then, There was the backlash that has now been caused against 74 million Americans on the other side. And it's more than that because many more people actually agree with basic conservative principles than actually voted for Trump. The press are going hard after anybody who disagrees with them. The founding fathers believed that the greatest protectors of press freedoms would be members of the press. As it turns out, the people who are leading the charge in terms of taking away press freedoms are members of the press going after their political opponents. This is why you have a piece by Margaret Sullivan, the media columnist over at the Washington Post, about how to basically take Fox News off the air. It's an amazing thing. Fox News has never called for the Washington Post to be taken out of circulation. Trump hated the Washington Post. He ripped down the Washington Post regularly. I can't remember a single person at Fox News ever saying the Washington Post should be deplatformed. I don't think that's ever happened. And yet here was the Washington Post, quote, Margaret Sullivan over at the Washington Post. I happened to be watching Fox News on election night when the network startled the political world by calling Arizona for Joe Biden. It was a weird moment without the fanfare that usually accompanied the announcement that a state was being put in one column or another. A few hours later, the AP made the same call. Many other organizations, including the Washington Post, took days to reach that daring conclusion. Trump world was enraged. Losing the traditionally red state would make it that much harder to proclaim the election was so close, it must in fact have been stolen by the Democrats. It would disrupt the big lie narrative. By the way, the the fact that the media have universally taken to calling this the big lie, as in like Joseph Goebbels' big lie, is pretty astonishingly tone deaf. There's a difference between saying the election was stolen, which is a lie, and suggesting the Jews are responsible for all our problems, let's genocide them. That was the big lie, right? (laughs) Like if we're going to use that kind of term and capitalize big and lie, kind of ugly. Anyway, Margaret Sullivan says, Last week, two key members of Fox News' decision desk desk abruptly departed the network. One was laid off, the other has retired. Some insiders are calling it a purge. In recent days, Fox has taken a sharp turn toward a more extreme approach as it confronts a post-Trump ratings dip, the result of some of its furthest right viewers moving to outlets like Newsmax and One America News, and some middle-of-the-roaders apparently finding CNN or MSNBC more to their liking. With profits as the one true religion at Fox, something had to change. 89-year-old Rupert Murdoch, according to a number of reports, has stepped in to call the shots directly, most notably... The network has decided to add an hour of opinion program, programming to its prime time offerings. Okay, so what is the solution for Margaret Sullivan? The solution for Margaret Sullivan is to basically destroy Fox News. She says, how to get the Fox News monster under control. I do not believe the government should have any role in regulating what can and can't be said on the air, although I often hear that proposed. That would be a cure worse than the disease. But let's not count on the hope that Fox controlling Murdoch's will, will develop a conscience. no. The only answer is to speak the language the bigwigs at Fox will understand. Ratings, advertising dollars, profit. Corporations that advertise on Fox News should walk away. Citizens who care about the truth should demand that they do so, in addition to trying to steer their friends and relatives away from the network. When you think about Fox's role in the 400,000 U.S. lives lost to the pandemic, it's fair to call their coverage deadly. Some corporations don't want to be a part of that. If reality-based America wants to communicate clearly with Fox News, they'll have to do it in a language they understand, the language of money. So here's Margaret Sullivan calling for mass boycotts against a competing news network. Meanwhile, Armin Rosen has a terrific piece over a tablet mag pointing out how many journalists are now mobilizing against free speech. And it's a bunch, a bunch. Over the weekend, Anand Jared Hardis, an MSNBC talking head, a New York University journalism professor, former New York Times writer, he tweeted... Should Fox News be allowed to exist? Brain-mashing as a business shouldn't be legal. He continued, I'm not a lawyer, but I don't understand why you're not allowed to manufacture Bucatini that doesn't have a certain threshold of iron in it, but you can broadcast brain-mashing falsehoods and goad people toward terrorism. So that's pretty astonishing stuff there from a journalism professor at New York University. How about Steve Call? He's a two-time Pulitzer Prize-winning dean of Columbia Journalism School. In a December appearance on MSNBC, He decried the wide latitude of self-expression on Facebook. He said, those of us in journalism have come to terms with the fact that free speech, a principle we hold sacred, is being weaponized against the principles of journalism. That's insane. So free speech is bad because it undermines journalism. Richard Stengel, who is now going to be serving inside the Biden administration, he made an argument that we should have hate speech laws that are deemed constitutional. He said, all speech is not equal. Where truth cannot drive out lies, we must add new guardrails. Masha Gessen and Andrew Morant over at The New Yorker. They've been writing about how we should basically restrict media because free speech can't fulfill its function if people are allowed to hear dissenting views. They said the news media have traditionally borne the responsibility for ensuring that the actual purpose of the First Amendment is fulfilled. Yet Americans are content to leave this essential component of democracy to profit-driven corporations with next to no regulatory oversight. They complained that uh, Mark Zuckerberg had given a speech in which he said free speech was good. Okay, this is and the list goes on and on and on the push by big name members over at the Washington Post and the New York Times Max boot last week suggesting that we ought to regulate outlets they don't like okay the push for cancellation is incredibly strong right now incredibly and it's only going to get stronger again to restore normalcy all we have to do is do unbelievably non-normal things and then normalcy will be restored that's exciting I will say that there is um some joy to be had uh, at least some Shu' Fred to be had in the uh, in the fun of watching the left cancel itself, so we're watching this happen on a fairly regular basis now. Because once, you, here's the thing: once you let the woke out of the out of the cage, they just go wild, and that is what's been happening on social media. Latest to find herself in the box is Miley Cyrus, so that's exciting stuff. Miley Cyrus, who uh, identifies as a bisexual or pansexual, right? She said she's pansexual, which means she likes pans, um, but also she likes both guys and girls. So she did an interview with Sirius XM's at Barstool Radio, where she said, girls are way hotter. We know this. She said that she's not interested in the male genitalia. And she suggested that everyone knows that breasts are prettier than um, a uh, male genitalia, are, are prettier uh, than testicles. Okay? And this is, this is why she says that she's into girls. Okay, here's what happened. Out Magazine, which is the LGBT magazine, the LGBT magazine, tried to cancel her for saying this. So she says that she is interested in lesbianism because of her physical attraction to women. And Out is like, that's transphobic. I can't, I will admit that's hilarious. That's really funny. Here's what Out Magazine (laughs) wrote about all of this. A person named May Rude wrote all of this. Okay. Here's what, here's what this person wrote. I don't know what the person gender is because I have no idea and literally no idea. Okay. So here's what this person wrote. Quote, I wish I could say this news makes me excited and proud to be a woman and a lesbian. But Cyrus's quote is littered with transphobia. This kind of gender essentialism was left behind by most of the queer community years ago. Genitals do not equal gender, and Miley should know this. As a lesbian, Miley Cyrus should be having sex with dudes and find dude genitalia just as attractive as non-dude genitalia. You understand this? A real lesbian would be having sex with dudes who say they're ladies. And if not, you're a turf. A TERF is a, a, um, a person who is reinforcing the, uh, the anti-trans positions of the lesbian community. In an age where TERFs are more vocal than they, uh, they've ever been, comments like these reinforce some very dangerous ideas about bodies and gender, says Out Magazine. Having a gender preference or even a genitalia preference in who you sleep with is obviously not a problem, but to reduce the genitalia to men's bodies contributes to dangerous beliefs about trans women. Some women have penises. Clappy hands emoji. Because so many people like Miley believe that genitals determine gender, trans women and girls are often considered to be men in public spaces. Oh, you mean like men are considered to be men in public spaces? Trans women are kicked out of women's restrooms, locker rooms and school sports, not allowed in women's shelters, put in prison with men. Murdered all because they have male genitalia. Okay, First of all, Andy knows done some interesting work on uh, the actual number of trans people who are being murdered is it disproportionate who's actually doing the killing. In any case, put that aside for a second. The the basic notion that biological men should not be allowed in ladies' locker rooms seems fairly unobjectionable, but again, everybody is subject to the cancel culture. Here is the thing, guys. Left, right, center. Once you let the cat out of the bag, once you start canceling people for views you don't like, and once you start conflating your own views with quote-unquote the facts, there is no limit to the kind of censorship you will pursue. This is what the left is going to do. This is their push. This is this is what they are. This is what the, and they're not going to stop. This will continue forever. But again, at least we can enjoy a little bit of uh, the scheidenfreude of, of watching people who have been doing the canceling in the past, doing the being canceled. One of these, Lauren Wolf was an editor over at uh, The New York Times. By the way, I don't think she should have been canceled for this. I don't think she should have lost her editorial job. I think The New York Times should just own it. She tweeted out something about how she had chills. She how she had chills when Joe Biden uh, landed in Air Force One. Just A few months ago, she tweeted, it's hilarious, this refrain of cancel culture, as if it is actually anything. Then uh, she was fired, apparently over that tweet about Trump. And then she's like, you know, when people talk about canceling, they forget that I'm a real person with a real life and a real job who now has to make the bills. Yes, we know. We are aware. Would that you had picked up on this a little bit sooner. Oh, how sad. Alrighty, we'll be later. we'll be here later today with one additional hour of The Ben Shapiro Show. Coming up soon, The Matt Walsh Show airing at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Matt will be covering an awful story about a school that is finally opening up, prompted by multiple child suicides. You'll want to check that out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Laidowski. Our associate producers are Rebecca Doyle and Savannah Dominguez. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina, production assistant Jessica Crand. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright 2021.
1: A school district rushes to reopen in response to a surge in childhood suicides. Joe Biden admits that nothing we do will change the trajectory of the virus. An MSNBC analyst tries to make a profound point by quoting a Nicki Minaj lyric. And another TikTok parent is on the slate to be canceled. That and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show.